on today's episode, we're going to start uh, just start talking a little bit about assessments. And I'm, I'm really not even prepared to do this today. I just realized that one of the themes that keep coming up in the fundamentals portion of students' journey is connecting those pieces of doing the assessment from head to toe, um, it, like bringing those pieces together and understand why they're doing it. So this is going to be one of those impromptu things that I'm going to keep just go through to give everybody an idea of what. So when we're thinking about assessment, we need to be thinking about the systematic or continuous collection of data that you take in and you analyze, and then you validate that that information uh, based on um, subjective or objective um, data that you either see or get from your patient. And also about that communication that happens between you and your patient when collecting that data. That data reflects how healthy someone is or um, whether or not you need to engage in health promotion. Um, but it also gives you an idea of that data shows you whether or not that individual is compromised um, and ha because of an illness or an injury. You have to make sure that you have pertinent information, make sure you're collecting it, and then not only giving it and sharing it, but also collecting data from other healthcare professionals. And then you take all this information and you keep this information in their electronic health record that enables you to partner with the patient to, um, to create a plan of care, but it also invites other individuals to be a part of that process. And so you have to make sure that you're, you're um, carefully collecting the information, but also making sure that you're correctly and carefully documenting it. Now, I, as I go through my podcast, I talk a lot about critical thinking, judgment, and activities that are linked to your nursing process. So when you are doing your assessment, if initially, if your patient is stable and you're doing something normal, the process goes into you assessing systematically all their systems and comprehensively to identify whether or not you find if there's any nursing or medical concerns. You also are communicating with your patient to determine whether or not they have biases that might interfere with you collecting that information or if you have biases that interfere and then determine the credibility of that information source. Then you have to distinguish what those things are from normal and abnormal findings and identify the risk of the abnormal findings. So what am I saying? Altogether, fundamental, you have to know what's normal. What's supposed to be here? What's supposed to be here? What is the head supposed to look like? What is the neck supposed to look like? What is the chest supposed to look like? What is the heart, the lungs supposed to sound like? The intestines supposed to sound like? How is their bladder supposed to feel? The abdominal supposed to, area is supposed to feel? Um, how are they eliminating? What does their skin look like? What does their legs look like? What do their feet look like? And you're doing that from head to toe. When you see things that aren't normal, those are the things you're documenting. And those abnormal things are a sign that your patient may have a nursing or medical concern. And so your job is figuring out what those abnormal findings are and hypothesizing what you think might be going on with them, making judgments about that data and distinguishing the difference between what is relevant and irrelevant. What's relevant 
irrelevant data is usually your normal stuff, stuff that's supposed to be there, or things that may be there but are not causing a harm to your patient. You may have to document them, but your more relevant information is that which might be causing your patient to be unhealthy or unsafe. You're going to be identifying assumptions and inconsistencies, making sure that you're double checking the accuracy and reliability and recognizing what information is missing. So when you're collecting that data, collecting that history from your patient, you're recognizing those things that might um, spaces or gaps that need to be filled, that need to be bridged. So we're going to talk about some of those characteristics of your nursing assessment. When you are taking a class and you are learning about assessment, you need to understand that with every movement that you do, especially if you're doing like a skills checkoff or competency, every movement you do has to be purposeful. You have to prioritize it based on the safety need of your patient. Make sure that it's complete but systematic. Make sure that the information that you have is factual and accurate and can be measured in some kind of way making sure that you're determining the relevance of the information, and then last but not least, documenting it. Because if you didn't document it, it didn't happen. And lack of documentation, when there is something present, falls back on you. Other types of nursing assessment, and there's usually five of them. When So we looked at the characteristics. Now we need to be talking about the types of nursing assessments. You have your initial assessment, first meeting them, and after that, you have your focal assessment. You can do your quick priority. So, you know, this is not the time for initial focus. There's a priority. Your priority is anything that can cause um, death to your patient or death to tissue. If it's emergent, if it's time lapse, if it's triage, and then there's also your patient center assessment. And you should really know what those are. Your teachers do a really good job of going over this information for you, but I'm just trying to pull it all together for you. And so um, next, what I, I wanted to talk about is how you get that primary source of information. So although we have moved to a clinical judgment model, that clinical judgment model aligns a little bit with, aligns a lot really, I'll say a lot, with the original process of ADPI which is assessing your patient, diagnosing them, um, out looking at outcomes um, and planning their care and then implementing those plan of cares and evaluating the outcomes of them. So with that assessment information, that source of information that comes from your patient, you, you're gonna be, be preparing to collect data and, and identifying cues and making like, like quick guesses as to what you think might be going on with them. And then you validate that data and then you clump it together and identify any patterns and then you report and you record that data. Now in your initial assessment, so I said I wasn't gonna go over it, but I am gonna go over it a little bit. Understanding that um, it's a brief, short, um, it's not really brief short. It's done shortly after your patient um, is admitted into whatever facility you're gonna be in. You are going to, in that initial assessment, collect enough data that gives you um, a complete identification of any problems or care plan needs. 
and you're going to be looking at all aspects of your patient health. When you're doing a focal assessment, your focal assessment can be performed during the initial assessment if you have an idea of what's already going on with them or can be a part of your routine um, data collection. So say, for instance, your initial assessment was the one that your patient did when they were admitted to the hospital and they happened to be your patient. And then you leave at the end of the day and you come back. Because you've done an, an initial assessment of their patient and it's complete, you know what their problem is. So if they came in with breathing issues, my focal assessment is just going to be on looking at those things that can be impacted by um, complications related to not getting enough oxygen or air exchange. And so then you're going to collect all that data specific to a problem. So focus assessment is about a specific problem that's already been identified, or you may be trying to identify something that's new or something that may have been overlooked. Um, and then again, collecting that data based on that specific information. And then with your quick uh, priority assessment, this is really short focus. It's very prioritized. It's You're trying to get the most amount of information that you can first um, because um, there may be an existing problem. There's a risk. You need to quick do this quick because it can create a safety issue for your patient. When you're thinking about your emergency assessment, this is performed um, and you could be doing a physiological or psychological um, assessment on your patient. So there can be a physiological problem or they could be in psychological crisis. Um, and then you're looking at, and, and really, again, emergent is anything also life-threatening. So no longer is this really about, it. no, it, it's really not about identifying the problem. It's about the fact that before I can, like part of identifying that problem is making sure one, that I can keep my patient alive to, to get them back to their baseline. And again, get, gathering that information um, that might be like create a life-threatening problem. Um, your time-lapse assessment is performed um, to compare the current status to the baseline. Are they improving? Are they getting worse? And then um, you, it might be requiring that you assess them already, but now you have to do a reassessment of them and revise their, their, care, their plan of care. And again, you are the one that's collecting that information. I think what I like about the clinical judgment model as we're talking about this is the fact that when it comes to um, the time-lapse assessment, I think that's the one that most nurses stay in because you do your initial assessment, then you do a focal assessment, but then you got to come back and then you're going to redo assessment because maybe something is going on. And so sometimes it can get messy. And when it is messy, when I say messy, it's not neat all order in a row. It's not, oh, First, I'm going to do this, and then next, I'm going to do this, and next, I'm going to do that. I'm going to do my assessment, then I'm going to do my diagnosis, then I'm going to do my plan of care, then I'm going to do my implementation of interventions, and then I'm going to evaluate the outcomes. No, it's when it's all over the place um, because you don't, there's a new problem that has arisen. So a lot of the times, I think nurses are in that time-lapse assessment where they've done their initial, they've done a focal, now the patient calls out, they have a complaint, where you come in, you do vital signs, you realize something is going on, and then you say, you know what? The plan of care was working at first, but now we got new, we have to revise. And so that's what really nursing is about. Triage, that's usually happened 
I feel like that happens sometimes either over the telephone or in an emergency room where you're screening to determine how bad or to, or, or to what extent their problem is, whether it's severe or mild, and then recommend what the follow-up is going to be. And like I said, it can be done on the phone, it can be done in person, um, and it, but it really requires somebody who's really knowledgeable um, and highly it's really a highly specialized way of using clinical reasoning and judgment skills. Your patient center assessment um, are really about using tools. Um, I don't. I know that you have your healthcare practitioners they use to assess them, but I think patient centered assessment is about asking questions to gain understanding about that patient's health and well-being. I'm looking at everything centered around them, not only just their health issues, their patient health histories, but using social determinants to determine how that may impact their health care. So what is their health like, their well-being? How how do they um, socialize? What's their environment like? What's their health literacy? And how well are they able to communicate? So the next thing we're going to be talking about is how we establish um, assessment priorities. So thinking about these priorities is their health orientation, what their development style is like, including culture, and then their need for nursing. We talked about earlier the objective and subjective data. Your objective data is what you observe. It's measurable. You can see it. You can hear it. It, it can be felt um, by someone by someone other than the person experiencing them. So, for example, um, if they have an elevated temperature, if they have skin moisture, if they're vomiting, I observe that and I can see that. Um, and with elevated temperature, that can be felt by me using the back hand of my hand to touch their forehead. I can tell if they have a fever. With subjective data, that's information that the patient themselves perceived. They are the only ones who can really explain that. So examples of subjective data include pain. If they're feeling lightheaded, dizzy, if they're feeling anxious, those are things that are, are, um, are caused by internal or external feel, um, factors that can only be felt internally to the patient. And so they're the only ones that can explain that to you. When we are collecting data, so now we're getting there, we're doing this assessment, we're talking to the patient, the source of data, the information comes from the patient. Sometimes due to capacity of the patient, the availability of the patient, or just because they have a really good support system, we might get information also from their family or significant others. Another source of really good information comes from a previous record of the patient or if they receive healthcare services in a facility that also has an emergency department, you can get that information from there. We're collecting medical histories, we're doing a physical examination, we can even look at progress notes that may be within a patient's records. Anytime there's a consultation, sometimes that can be linked within the system. We can be looking at lab values, we're going to be looking at their diagnostic studies, we're going to be looking at reports from um, different type of therapies that they may have. And then we're going to add into that our own nursing education, information that we receive 
um, that has an evidence-based um, source um, or information that can be found within, within our, our own nursing literature. When we think about our assessment, it really requires that you as a student, as a nursing student, be able to have the skill of nursing observation. You have to determine the patient's responses, both physically and emotionally. So you have to be aware of their verbal, but also their nonverbal language that they're using, those cues that tell you that something's wrong. You have to determine their ability to be able to manage their care. Can they take care of themselves? Can you look at the immediate environment and determine if it's safe or from the patient's information, determine where they came from or where they're going when they leave you, if that environment is, is safe. And then um, making those observations, even in the environment that they're, they're in, um, as far as the hospital or the community that they might be in. When we're thinking about their nursing history, this is unique to each of the, the patients. So some of the information that we're going to be collecting is information that identifies who they are. If you think about whenever you create an account with somebody and you want to go look at your profile, that profile is all that information that talks about you. How old you are, male or female, your date of birth, things you might like, you know, things like that. Then you have to like basically be asking them, uh, tell me what led to your admission today. You, or you're going to be reading information that talks about the reason for them seeking care. Um, what are their health habits? How often do they go see their doctor? Are there any cultural considerations that you have to take in um, as part of their plan of care? What's their state of current state of health? Are they individuals that seek help all the time? Or do they have limited access to health care? What their medications and allergies are like? And allergies are really important. Allergies are your first thing you do before you ever do anything with your patient. The minute you find out you get the patient, do they have any known drug allergies or any allergies, period? When I'm giving them medication, do they have an allergy? If I'm putting them in a room with somebody, do they have allergies? If I'm, I'm going in the patient's room and I'm a smoker, do they have an allergy? If I wear large perfume, large amounts of perfume, do my patients have allergies? See, that's going to envelop everything it is that you do. What's their perception of their health status? What development levels are they at? Just because someone is a certain age doesn't mean that they've reached the development for their age. And so that's what your assessment is going to be about. You're going to be doing um, checking their the environment of their family situation. You're going to be looking at their psychosocial history, the expectations that they have of you as the nurse. What educational needs do they have? Do they have any personal resources? Or are there any potentials for them to have any injuries? And how do you get all this information? You do that by interviewing your patient, and that's a part of collecting their history. And the purpose of doing that physical assessment is to determine the value of their health status. Is it good? Is it excellent? Is it poor? Is it declining? Then making identify identification of what actual health problems there are and then you start to create a database that supports this is what the health problem is and these are the interventions that we need to do ways that you can carry out your assessment is through 
inspection. That means you look looking using your eyes, using your ears, the palp. Um, and so you let's go back, making sure that you are observing in a systematic manner from head to toe what is not normal, what is there that shouldn't be there. Then you're going to palpate. That's the use of touch against that patient's skin to determine what the temperature is like. What should normal temperature be? Turgor. Um, does it tint? Texture? Um, is, um, and moisture? Is there vibration within the body? Percussion is about acts of lightly tapping an area on the body against another to make it produce a sound and then using that sound to tell you if it's normal or abnormal. Auscultation is about you listening with your stethoscope to sounds produced within the body, whether it be within the neck, whether it be within the heart, the lungs, um, the abdomen, listening to all those things, the intestines. Some, some of the time, though, I, I, we, we talk about how easy it might be to just collect data because it doesn't always come that easy. If you have the data, it's great because you can quickly take care of your patient. But there are some times when collecting data, um, it, 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 there are problems that can arise, such as um, the, da the data within the computer due to imperfection, people put the wrong thing, or again, rushing, not being careful, not double checking the information that's not correct. Or maybe because of the patient's culture or because of fear or biases or our own biases, we um, leave out information or the patient leaves out information. Um, sometimes we can include irrelevant information or duplicate information, which is not necessary. Or in other times, Instead of sticking to the matter at hand, individuals have the, the mistake of misinterpreting data. So it's always making sure that we are documenting correctly whether or not the patient we received, the, I'm sorry, the information that we received came from the patient or, or whether it was observed by us. Sometimes there can be a failure to build a rapport and a good partnership with your patient and so they don't give you the information that you need. They really don't even want to talk to you. Or again, recording and interpretation of data rather than what you actually observed. So don't be like, well, I think this was going on. I believe this was going on. No, what I saw was this. It's not up to me to interpret what was going on. And then sometimes, unfortunately, there can be times when there's a failure to update the database so the information is not accurate. How do you validate those thoughts, those ideas that you might be having? Those, um, what did I call them? It's, it's it's validating the cues, but sometimes you just have these suspicions that you think something is happening when you are. Um, oh, I can't remember what I said earlier, but when you're trying to validate whether or not what you're thinking is correct. The only way to do that, there's well, there's several ways to do it, but it requires action by you. Making sure that you perform a physical examination of your equipment. Make sure it's working correctly. Make sure the procedure is correct. 
make sure that you're clarifying information. Um, sharing your ideas or suspicions with other team members. This is what I think was one of my guts telling me this. Your intuitions. Validating what your intuitions are. Um, check your findings with research. Um, compare the cues that you're finding to um, what you think is normal. And then going, you know what, this is not normal. And because it's not normal, I think it's worth telling somebody what I think or making a note about it. And then checking consistency of those cues. Are they consistent? Also being consistent with checking for cues is going to be important. Many nursing students miss the idea that there comes a point where you have to try to verify your data. When there is ever a discrepancy between what the patient is saying to you and what you are observing, between you or anyone, and I say patient, but even from nurse to nurse, if there's a discrepancy, that's when you want to verify. Um, or when there's data that has no objectivity, there's no no signs, no nothing visual to go along with it, nothing that's observed to go along with that. Go back and verify that information because again, that leads to the increased problem of information within the patient's data report that doesn't need to be there. But by going and clarifying and asking questions, you can make up for or alleviate or eliminate those discrepancies. Now, when you are done collecting all your information, it's going to be really important that you document it. You're going to have to uh, give a verbal report of data whenever there's something critically going on with your patient whether it be to a doctor, maybe um, a report that you receive back from pharmacy. You have to document any data if it's not critical or emergent in this order, because I want to make sure that I say this correctly. When it is emergent or critical, you report first, then document. If there is nothing critical, if it's not emergent, then whatever information you're collecting when you leave that, that patient's room, you should be going to a computer to record or, or writing it down on a form within that same day. So whether it's paper charting or, or putting it into the electronic chart, you have to do that. You summarize what you observe and what the patient states and make sure that it's concise and comprehensive and easily retrievable. Make sure that you're using good grammar and medical abbreviations, but also be aware of abbreviations that aren't acceptable within the nursing. And whenever possible, try to use the patient's own words and quotation marks. Avoid non-specific terms that can leave individuals subject to their own interpretation or their, or their own definition. You want to limit as much as possible um, the probability that somebody will misunderstand what, you're, what it is you're writing. So you want to give enough information, but not too much that it confuse the person um, with unnecessary words. You have to make sure that you're maintaining their privacy and their confidentiality and maintaining their privacy, their confidentiality, but then also keeping your own professionalism. So at the end of the day, 
you have to determine like what what brand do you want to have for yourself the biggest part i don't really let me be honest i don't care what your brand is above making sure that my first brand be i want to be an ethical nurse if you're an ethical nurse you're going to do your best to make sure that nothing that you do or say or that others do or say have a negative impact on your patient so the best way to do that is by exuding professionalism the other thing that you have to do is make sure that you are familiar with not only your institution's policy on maintaining your private your patient's privacy but also towards the requirement of hipaa which is that health insurance portability and accountability act that governs how we protect patient information other resources that you can use that I really find very beneficial is making sure that you join like a professional organization such as your American Nurses, Nurses Association or I love NCSBN. Their website gives you a lot of information that talks about not only keeping you informed as to what's going on as a nurse, but also it has a lot of information on guidelines for social media especially for nurses, because that's what we do. I hope that you guys enjoy this. I'm going to try to turn right back around and, and try to do something on head-to-toe assessments and how you use your equipment to do so appropriately. But I hope that you enjoyed this impromptu, and I hope that you benefit from it. Please, if you can do so, if you enjoy hearing these, listening to these, allowing me to give you my feedback, expounding on what your teachers are already doing for you, please leave me some feedback. Please say something. Let me know. Subscribe. 